you got to be a man to play baseball for a living, but you also got to have a lot of little boy in you too. This is one of my favorite quotes about the game that has stuck with me throughout my life. It's spoken by the great Dodger catcher Roy Campanella, and it seems to also describe where a lot of the tension between old school and new school is coming into play. Do you even remember playing baseball as a kid? Do you know how your views have changed as you've gotten older? Have you become more cynical towards the game? Or is baseball still that for you? Just a game. So I decided to bring in a special guest to discuss baseball in the younger generations, and I hope that as we discuss these topics at hand, that you'll remember that even as adults, baseball at its core is a game for the young and the young at heart. Welcome to Caught in a Pickle, where we are diving into the tension between tradition and evolution in baseball. I'm Josh Lewis, and if you're at all like me, you feel like you're constantly getting caught in a rundown between differing belief systems trying to find a safe base. But you just end up running back and forth until you're worn down and you get tagged out. Well, you're in the right place. So join me as we explore this weird in-between place that so many of us baseball lovers seem to find ourselves between tradition and evolution in the game of baseball. And let's work together to see if we can find a way to get out of these pickles. On today's episode, Forever Young, I am joined by high school baseball coach Jake Haney. Coach Haney has been a high school baseball coach for over 20 years in the hotbed of talent that is Southern California. His teams have regularly made the CIF playoffs, including multiple championship appearances. Just this last year, he celebrated his 300th career win, which if you ask him, He'll tell you it just means he's been doing this for a while. But on a personal note, he was actually my head coach my senior year of high school and one of the biggest influences on my teenage years. So we got to reconnect and have an awesome discussion about his years of experience with younger players. We touch on multiple tradition versus evolution topics, like where does he land on the tradition and evolution scale? Have baseball players changed from previous generations? What his thoughts are on the Little League World Series that we just finished up? And... Just a for fun one, if a high school coach was commissioner for a day, how would the game look different? All this and more on Cotton a Pickle. Starting at the beginning, kind of where where do you see yourself in terms of like old school, new school mentality? Like, do you feel like you lean one way or the other? Or you do you go back and forth depending on the topic? Kind of where do you land on old school versus new school? I look at it from two different lenses. I look at it from the lens of me as a baseball fan watching the game and then me as a baseball coach coaching the game. And I I think they're pretty separate. The game that kids play is not the game that major league baseball players play. It's just not the same game. It, you know, the major league baseball game is throw it a hundred, hit it four fifty, and, you know, let's see who wins after nine innings. Yeah. We were at the Angels Yankees game last night. Uh, I'm an A's fan, but we had gotten oh, nice. anyways. Someone threw our that's in the program. The parents, the family owns it, have dugout suites. So we're literally like right there next to the Yankees dugout. That's cool. like in the ground at Angel Stadium, and Aaron Judge is standing there. And you're looking, and you're like, these aren't even these aren't normal people, <laughs> you know? I mean, so from that that regard, it's it's a different game. And so watching baseball at the professional level now is way different than what I, what I watched growing up. And it doesn't mean it's, it's bad. It's just the way times have changed And baseball has always been very hesitant to change. 
because the history and the numbers of the game are so sacred. Mm -hmm. And I think they, people feel like when, if they change things too much, then things in the past won't be as meaningful, Mm. you know? So like, for instance, if you ban the shift and someone hits 400, well, what's going to happen? What are they, they're going to say, well, you know, and Ted Williams hit 400, they could have shifted, even though they, they probably didn't. But I was going to say, also against the shift, he did. But. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and then, you know, things like that. But the game is going in a direction where these franchises have too much money on the line to not use all the information available. And so they're making decisions based on math. Yeah. You know, like I was having a conversation with one of the guys who was in our box last night, and he's sort of a baseball guy. And he's like, well, why don't they... Like, why don't they bunt more, you know? And then, and I'm like, I, I would almost guarantee you that like, you know, take the Yankees last night. There are probably a few guys in the lineup that have permission to lay down a bunt when the third baseman shifted over. And there are probably guys that they have explicitly told, I don't care where they're playing, don't ever bunt. <laughs> because that's just not what the game, the math says that you should do. Yeah. And by the way, it's also, I think, People think it's easy. It's just not that hard to bunt 98 miles an hour. Like, you know, and, you know, and I think that's one of my pet peeves too. People will say like, well, the hitters today are not, they're bad. You know, they can't, you know, hit a ground ball the other way. It's like, well, these guys are, I mean, I, I saw my son just sent me a video. A guy threw a hundred mile an hour split finger last night. That's the disgusting. first hundred mile an hour off speed pitch that has ever been recorded it's like well you can't really be so picky about where you hit the baseball right you know so the game has changed so i feel like major league baseball has to do some things to to tweak it otherwise really what we're doing is they're just playing a game of roulette or craps where it's just all math and eventually though the, the more games you play the math will just even out Sure. And the only time that we'll get to have any like sort of randomness will be in the short run, like the playoffs, a short series or something like that. You know, but over 162 games, the math's probably going to win. And so I think they need to do something to, to fight against it a little bit. And, and and I'm always hesitant to just go like, hey, just start changing stuff, because I do believe in the history of the game as well. You know, but I don't know if you saw, it was like last week, the week before Major League uh, MLB Network had a minor league triple-A game on. Mm-hmm. And it was Charlotte Knights and the Syracuse Mets. And the Knights are the only, I think they're the only team in minor leagues that are full automatic strike zone. Mm-hmm. Their pitchers are on the pitch clock and all of that sort of stuff. And it just didn't look different. And it was faster. And I was like, yeah, okay. Because I was freaked out. I'm like, I don't, I don't want robo-umpires. <laughs> I personally don't because uh, I think that takes away the art of catching and the, the art of the little bit of the human element of the game and things like that. But the game like looked normal, mm-hmm. even though they had the automatic strike zone and they, but it was fast because they had the pitch clock and the pitchers had to have a tempo and a cadence to the game, which even as someone who's a fan of the game, when the game gets slow, it's really hard to watch. And what makes today's game slower is because everyone throws a hundred with 93 mile an hour sliders, there are more pitches in every game because there are more swings and misses. There are more foul balls probably because of yeah. the, the stuff is so good that the game is already going to be longer. And so if we can do things to speed it up, I think you'll start seeing this generation of minor leaguers coming up working faster from the mound. It'll be helpful. Yeah. But then on the, on the other side, like the high school game and the youth game that I coach is a different, it's not the same game. Yeah. 
it's just different, you know, and I'm always trying to adapt. I've never coached from the lens of, well, we're going to do it that way because it's always been done that way. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to look for an edge or an advantage against someone that we play. So if we can start doing something this way, maybe that gives us an edge. But then there are a lot of things that don't translate, you know, so we get a lot of kids who want to hit the ball in the air because the big leaguers hit the ball in the air. Launch angle, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like you're 140 pounds and when you hit, <laughs> you hit the ball in the air, you're out. Yeah. And when they hit the ball in the air, sometimes they're out, but sometimes it's, it lands on the other side of the fence. Right. <laughs> or catching. The catching position probably has changed the most out of any defensive position in the game in the last 10 years. So you see a lot of guys on one knee. Well, you know, we allow our guys to do it somewhat, but in the big leagues, you see a lot of guys do it on every pitch of every game. Mm-hmm. And so the guys will have some guys coming in as freshmen and they'll want to be on the one knee every pitch of every game. And it's like, no, you can't do that <laughs> because that big league pitcher, he misses right in front of them. <laughs> that high school pitcher, he misses all the way over there and all the way over there. Yep. You got to be able to move <laughs> a little bit. Right. But it also is helpful with no one on base and less than two strikes. It's helpful for these guys to be on a knee and receiving the baseball because in high school and youth sports, it's such an advantage because umpiring is not great. Sure. The strike zone is compared to the major league strike zone is much wider, shorter, but but wider. And so stealing strikes and framing is is crucial. Yeah. And then we have to be able to do other things like you don't see, like the guys tough sometimes get buy-in with bunting and things like that that you don't see at the big league level because our game is just much different. If we could hit over the fence a lot, I would love to never bunt because it would save a lot of time at practice. (laughs) 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 Don't don't have to practice bunts. I would love to not. I mean, we spend a lot of time working on it because we have to do it. And especially like, you know, tell the guys you bunt when it's important. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why you see like, was it last year? I believe Tampa Bay was playing in the playoffs Maybe it was COVID year because I, I almost visualized them playing in San Diego. Anyways, they were they had someone up there bunting. It must have been COVID because they had like either zero or one sack bunts on the season. So it must have been that shortened season. <laughs> yeah. And they were having um, I can't remember who it was. They're having him try to bunt, sack bunt with runners on first and second, nobody out. He couldn't get it done. So with two strikes, they let him swing and he hits a three-run bomb. Um, right. (laughs) And to me, it's like, well, if you're not going to just do what you always kind of do and work on, you're not going to, you know, if I, you know, if I were a major league manager and I thought we were maybe going to bunt in the playoffs, then, you know, then that month leading up to the playoffs, then you better work on it. Sure. If you know, if you got a spot locked up or in those situations, but honestly, I guess at the end of the day, I, I am all for what makes the game more exciting for the young kids without watering the game down for us old guys as well too much. <laughs> sure like we're gonna have to, i think there's gonna have to be some give and take yeah you know like i watch things and they drive me insane but my son loves them yeah and because because he sees those things he wants to watch the game more yeah and i'm like okay you know it doesn't mean that's the way we do it you know i guess the first thing that comes to mind is guys bat flipping and all that it's like well we're not doing that in high school or we're at i just i'm not gonna allow it we're not gonna do it yeah but when I see a big leader do it, yeah, I think it's cool. I think yeah. it's you know, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is fun. Yeah, it's it's entertainment at that like at that level anyway. It's like the same thing that the NFL had to do with like 
letting them celebrate again in in the end zone. It's like it's yeah. part of the entertainment. It's part of the like they're yeah. they're there to draw millions and millions of dollars in. So they have to make it entertaining. And that's the one thing I've kind of respected a little about the NFL is they seem to be probably less reactive than other sports in terms of like we've got to change because of this and they seem to be a little bit more proactive with trying to make some changes. Now they're also reactive things that they do, you know, there's pass interference in the playoffs and now you're challenging pass interferences. They do some of that too, but baseball is very reactive Yeah, where it takes so much pushback from the players and from the fans for them to change anything, you know, <laughs> anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, that's why, you know, Manfred gets such this bad rap because He's the face of it. And, yep. you know, he seems pretty hesitant to change. But you're seeing different things that are happening, which is cool. Like they released the schedule for next year already. And it's yeah. pretty cool. And I'm excited. Yeah. It's like they're going to play every team. And that to me, that's awesome. Yeah. They're going to play a series against Korean all-star team after the season. I'm like, that's yeah. awesome. We got you WBC know, next year too. Like, yeah. And and they're, they're making it better, easier for the players to, want to participate in the world baseball classic and you and the i mean the lineup the, the team that they already have on paper is unbelievable it's loaded yeah <laughs> no it's super cool so i i feel like they're trying to do some of those things but but it has been they are pretty reactive with a lot of the things that they do for sure for sure absolutely well that's cool eric i'm i'm kind of in the same boat i like a lot of the yeah tradition and and holding on to things like i was watching a a minor league game that had the pie slice ban, right? The, the, like mm -hmm. the up the middle thing. And I'm like the extra lines on the field, like is offensive to me, but at the yeah. same, but at the same time, like, I don't know, maybe that's a middle ground type of thing that could work or like what, a, like yeah. I feel you on, on a lot of that. So you kind of touched on a, a lot of the stuff that I'll ask in this question. So we're discussing old school, new school tension. One of the things that I have gotten a lot of in just the conversations that I've had with, with specifically the old school crowd, let's say, yeah, usually they're saying it in kind of a negative context of like, oh, like players have changed or the the new uh, new players coming up are different or things are not as they were in the 40s, 50s, 60s in terms of <laughs> players hating each other and, right. and, and whatnot. And like, it's just, it's a completely different mindset of the newer players. But I see there's a lot of positives in that as well. But I mean, even uh, the players are different even from when I was in high school. Yeah. And yeah, it does seem different. Like, do you think that young players are changing in certain ways or have you noticed anything specific in younger players than it used to be that positive or negative that, you, that you've kind of noticed along the way? Yeah. I'll say a couple things. I, you know, I, and I can't remember who said this. Someone else besides me said this. I don't want to take credit. Like I came up with this, but I, I can't remember. It might've been college basketball coach or someone. I want to say it was, um, Coach uh, Martin, he was uh, at Kansas State, and I can't remember where he is. Frank Martin, I can't remember where he is now. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was him, but he was like, no, the kids haven't changed. The parents have changed. <laughs> and and I think, you know, and, and that's what I see a lot is parents have changed. You know, I think kids will do what you want them to do, and they'll do what you allow them to do, right? You know, but I think a lot of time, in, in a lot of ways, the parents have changed, and the baseball world is ultra competitive, right? Yep. And it's big money. You know, one of the downsides that I'm seeing with youth baseball is it's it's 
becoming more and more elite mm. in terms of it's, it reminds me a little more of club soccer where mm. it's very expensive that you see which to me really takes away opportunities from people with not as much money or minorities and things like that it makes it really hard you know in, in that regard yeah but i i think the what i would say is kids have changed maybe because of parents in certain ways and, and some good and some bad what i see is and i'm old i'm 45 right is i think this is kids in general even in the classroom is kids nowadays come in with a certain amount of skepticism mm. with anyone that they interact with so just saying like hey i'm coach haney i'm uh, this is my 21st year coaching high school baseball doesn't really garner me a whole lot of respect i don't think interesting in the players eyes which is okay it's really like the kids these days are so much more about the relationship mm-hmm. than the game i didn't like a lot of coaches i played for but i loved the game so much i just didn't even care to be honest if i didn't like my coach i would play almost in sure. spite of my coach i think nowadays kids the environment's got to be right which is which is fine I guess the way I would put it, I was telling this whenever I hire an assistant coach, if I hired Mike Trout as an assistant coach tomorrow, the kids would be like, oh, this is incredible. Mike Trout's our coach. Mike Trout's our coach. By week two, if Mike Trout was a jerk and didn't really relate with the kids very well and made them feel stupid about the things they could and couldn't do, the guys would hate Mike Trout. So just being somebody doesn't garner you anything with the kids. You know, and so that's different. The biggest on the field difference that I see is, you know, and, and I always hesitate because I, I'm, I'm a math guy. I teach statistics. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people say things and, and if you can't prove it, it's maybe it's not true. And so this is probably one of those things that's hard to prove. But I think kids today watch a whole lot less baseball than they used to. And in some regards, it's understandable. There are so many more distractions that they have and fun things that they can do at their fingertips. And the game has slowed down. And like we're the things that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But the hard part about baseball is it's so unscripted that you can't account for every situation based on your experiences when you're 14, 15, 16 years old. Sure. I have nightmares about us being in the CIF championship and there being an infield fly rule <laughs> and our runners on base. Our runners on base not being crystal clear about what they can and can't do. Sure. Like that just wasn't even a thing. When I was 10 years old, I could tell a 50-year-old what the infield fly rule was. Yeah. You know, because I the only way that I could learn the game back then was to watch it. Yeah. You know, my parents weren't athletes. I there was no internet. There was you were just you were watching baseball on TV and that's and you and your friends were playing it. And those were the only ways that you had to learn the game and so i think the, the players know less about the game itself yeah but they're way better than we were i mean they are faster and they are stronger um there's no denying that i mean yeah for us high school team we're probably going to have four pitchers that are 90 miles an hour plus this year on our pitching staff wow. and those guys weren't even our number one or two guys last year who are also back yeah you know and so the kids are freak athletes but I think that comes from the things that we're talking about with starting at the very top with major league teams want it, being able to measure everything. And so now these kids know when they go to a showcase, sure. I have to run this fast in the 60. I have to have this exit velocity. I have to throw this hard on the mound. Um, my spin rates and all that. It's like, it's crazy. Right. So these kids do all the, those the things they can do 
to be really good at those things. So when they go to a showcase, it looks cool. They're basically training for a combine instead of training to know what to do on an infield fly. <laughs> 100%. But very seldom do they have to actually show that they know how to play the game. Mm. Because I think the college recruiting guys, by and large, think that they can teach them. Sure. So if you can throw, if you can run, you know, 6.5 seconds, 60, I can teach you how to play baseball, but I can't teach the guy that's smart how to run fast sort of thing. Right. You know, so it's interesting. We, you know, we had a freshman last year on varsity team USA kid and UCLA recruiting guy came to see him play. And he walked and stole a base and then got a base hit and stole a base. And then the guy left. And right after he left, he made two embarrassingly bad base running mistakes. Mm. And I, you know, I kind of had pulled the kid aside and I said, Hey, you're lucky he left. I mean, there's no way in the world that your your experience and your talent level, you should make base running mistakes like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting, you know, the things that you that we see. And I'm sure there were things that when I was being coached, our coaches might have said similar things about us. I don't know, you know. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So speaking of different, you're coaching Jackson now. Yeah. At Korean Lutheran. Has that added any sort of elements for you as a dad? Like where where your son's on the team, or like do you have to be a lot more conscious about different things. Cause I, I like, I, that's like terrifying for me going into this season of like, Oh, I'm going to have my son on my team. How do I balance like yeah. kind of that, that sort of thing where my son is a team. Like how do you change hats between dad and coach and all that? It was interesting because I, I kind of gradually, as he was growing up, coached him a little bit more as he got closer to high school. And then when it was time for that decision, he kind of had the choice to go to a high school near our house where a lot of his friends that he grew up playing with Mm -hmm. were going to go or go to Orange County and play for me. Mm -hmm. And he really didn't hesitate. He kind of had always known what he wanted to do. He wanted to go to Korean Lutheran and play for me. He'd grown up there. You know, I think he also wanted to be in the smaller Christian environment. And also, you know, he played football as a freshman. I think he wanted that opportunity. He knew it would be tougher at a big school. Because the the school he was going to go to was, you know, 4,000 student public school. Okay. And even though we had friends and I, you know, I knew the head coach well, I think he was just a better fit. But, you know, and we had talked about it before, you know, just kind of making sort of a pros and cons list before he kind of made his final decision. And, you know, one of the things that I had told him, I said, you know, you've got to understand that, you know, obviously, almost no matter what you do, there is people are always going to say it's because your dad's the coach. Yeah. You know, kind of one of the things that I told him, I said, hey, listen, I, I just want you to be a player. I said, I don't want to know anything that I wouldn't know otherwise as the coach. Interesting. You know, and so he doesn't come home. He doesn't come home and say, hey, you know, so-and-so did this. And so-and-so cheated on a test. So-and-so didn't run all 10 of their sprints. I don't care about that. You just be a player sure. and do that. And I also told him there are going to be times in the group where people might say negative things about me. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I said, you don't have to fight my battles. You can just leave it alone. Like, I, you don't have to do that. And so, obviously, I think naturally I, I was, because his freshman year, he played on the freshman team. Mm-hmm. And he was had a really good year. He's team MVP as a freshman. And then last year as a sophomore, he had a chance to compete for some varsity time. The hard part about the dynamic is he's a catcher. He ended up being our starter and probably playing about two-thirds of the time during the season. Mm-hmm. But we had a we had a senior that was his backup and a junior that was the third guy. Interesting. There was a clear separation in a number of ways, and then there was tight in other ways. And so those other guys played, but 
really when it was the important games Jackson played because of his his defensive abilities, his catch and throw, his receiving and blocking and communication and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, it wasn't like a super smooth year. And I think that was part of it. But what I kind of realized at the end of the day, there's just nothing you could do about it. Mm. No matter what, it doesn't matter. No matter what, especially in the high school world where high school baseball is different, right? Little League and Pony and Travel Ball are awesome because you know, you've got 12 kids on a team and all ki- all the kids play. Yeah, Really, the first time kids ever in their life sit on the bench in baseball is when they get to varsity baseball. Because on the freshman team, they play. On the JV team, they play. And on the varsity team, they don't always play. And so it's the first time where they're uncomfortable and their parents are even more uncomfortable that they're not playing. <laughs> sure. And so they're going to say what they're going to say, and you can't really stop it. And at the end of the day, and kind of one thing that I kind of told myself after last year, I said, you know what, I'm not going to be any harder on him than I am on the other guys anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do things anymore to try to massage the perception. Like he probably lost opportunities that he earned because I was always sensitive to the perception. Interesting. So, you know, he got yanked a couple of times when he made mistakes and I probably didn't yank other guys when they made mistakes. Mm. And I, I kind of told myself, and but it didn't help at the end of the day. Sure. So I kind of told myself after last year is I'm just going to do it how I'm going to do it. Like he's another player. And if people, people are going to say what they're going to say almost regardless. And so it's not fair to him to kind of cheapen or diminish his experience because I'm trying to mold someone else's perception of what's going on here. And I've reached out to other coaches before who coached their kids. And this is before, you know, and I've had coaches say things like, well, you've coached enough other people's kids for 20 plus years. You deserve to coach your kid and, and play him and do all that. Well, no, my whole thing is that's fine, but he still has to earn it. Sure. And he did earn it, but you know, that's just the way it's going to be. I had a conversation last year with a potential transfer from a really big private school. It's one of the best schools in the nation every year. And when I met with the dad and the son kind of casually about possibly transferring in, the the dad said to me, he said, my son's a really good third baseman, but he's not getting an opportunity at the school that he's at because the coach's son is the third baseman at this high school. Well, I know the situation. I know the head coach and I know the son. Well, the son is a team USA kid who's committed to the university of Texas. <laughs> so I had to like stop him. And I said, time out. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Your son is probably pretty good. I would imagine he's at a really good high school and he didn't get cut, but you saying that the coach's kid is starting over your kid. You, you are being dishonest about the situation here. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. All you had to say was the kid that's in front of my kid is committed to the university of Texas. And I would have said, Oh dang, that's going to be tough to get on the field. Right. <laughs> you know, but right there, that was red flag city. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is not the right fit for you. You should not come here. Yeah. But I guess that kind of gives you just an idea of the things that are going to happen regardless, you know, father, son, father, daughter coaching, almost regardless. Yeah. People are going to say what they're going to say. Yeah. That makes sense. Even not in the father, son, father, daughter dynamic, people are going to say what they're going to say to, <laughs> a, to a coach. Million <laughs> a million percent, man. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so different topic. Like I said, we were talking in, in our Facebook discussion group about Little League World Series. Yeah. 
And so I know your coaching kids are a little bit older, but there's just super interesting takes on it. Like, do you and Jackson or you and your family, do you guys watch the the Little League World Series? Do you think it's fun? Or are you more kind of on the side of, hey, like we we shouldn't be having this nationally televised like kids tournament or like kind of where where do you land on in in Little League World Series as somebody who's coaching younger guys? Yeah, no, I think it's cool. I, I don't, I used to watch it a lot. I didn't watch it a ton this year. I saw the Hawaii team massacre everyone a little bit, you know, and <laughs> they were like really, really good and they were fun to watch. And, and they seem to really do it the right way, which we've had a lot of experience in the travel world playing teams from Hawaii and the kids are super competitive, but they they do it the right way. They're super, you know, humble and, you know, their, their parents are always great too. So I think it's a really cool cultural lesson for a lot of the baseball world to see, but sure. I think it's really cool. I think, you know, the hard part is like, you know, seeing those kids, like, man, they're those huge kids, kids are bigger and stronger. And they're on this tiny field. I know they've done a lot of things to the bats. You know, Little League has different rules. The kids aren't leading off. But in terms of just the pureness of it, I think it's really cool. I think it's neat. I think that it kind of, there's so much history behind it. It's cool to see us play other countries. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool for the international growth of the game. So I don't don't see a, a lot of drawbacks. I feel like the announcers do a pretty good job of their kids and you know, and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to walk people and they're going to throw a fit on the mound and they're going to cry. And, you know, right. Uh, that's part of it. And the ones that I feel bad for are, um, I feel bad for the coaches. Mm. You know, they're always mic'd up and they're everything they do and say is just scrutinized. That's an interesting take. I didn't really think, I don't usually think about the coaches in that, in that situation. I'm always thinking about well, what are the kids doing and, yeah, you know, I think the only thing I can relate to it when Jackson was growing up, you know, in the travel ball world, when they're 12, going to Cooperstown for that tournament is kind of like their Little League World Series, right? Yeah. And they run that tournament and they run it multiple weeks and all throughout the summer. So we went and there's like 50 teams in the tournament or whatever. And, um, you know, we're from California. So I think naturally we're we're one of the better teams anyways. Yeah. Just from other teams just being across the country. But our whole take on the thing was like, hey, this is like the icing on the cake. This is what you worked for. Now you guys just go have fun and play baseball. Yeah. But we even saw on them, like we ended up winning that tournament. We went like 10 and 0, but we we ended up winning the championship game of that tournament against a team from Michigan, 18 to 17. <laughs> and there were literally at the venue probably two or three thousand people watching the game because teams stay, people come and watch. And I've never seen our kids under so much pressure. And literally, like, we didn't, they didn't play well. A couple kids, you know, kids strike out. He's in tears. I'm like, this is not what we do. Like, what? Yeah. You know, and at one point, you just bring up and like, hey, I don't care. I just don't care if we lose. Yeah. Just play baseball and have fun. I would imagine those coaches in, in Williamsport have to do a lot of the same thing. Sure. Because they all want to win. But at the end of the day, what you want to do more than win is make sure the kids have a really good experience. Because, you know, a kid having a meltdown or really struggling on, on national TV, it's probably worst case scenario. Right. Which is what makes my heart hurt as like, as a lover of the game, but also I love my kid. Like I would never want my kid in that situation of they're like feeling so much pressure to where, yeah, they're in tears if they fail. For sure. So that's always a, a, a struggle for me. And then like the other side of just, I'm not a nerd enough to look into like all the money that gets made from it. Like that's, that just feels weird to me of like, okay, like, yeah. 
sponsors are paying and and networks are paying or getting paid and and stuff like that to to televise all this stuff like what like it's the same debate that we've always had with college sports right like yeah like the kids aren't seeing any of this but it's the same again the same argument as college of like oh well they're getting this great experience and they're having fun and yeah all that so there's a lot of a lot of gray area it feels like for sure and i don't know i don't know all the ins and outs but to me you're right and i think what would be fair they're making a ton of money off this you know they should be flying those families out for free they should be putting them up for free sure you know allowing them to enjoy their kids experience you know paying for time off of work and those some of those things that because they are in, in essence they are making money off of these these kids and i think that you know we're giving taking a lot of those that money that they make giving it back to little leagues to help whatever rebuild facilities and things like that sure I think they have a responsibility to do that i don't know and i don't know if they are at all or maybe they are i'm not yeah i, I don't either i don't know the the details behind that yeah. either. it was just something that crossed my mind as we were having the discussion of like oh i don't yeah. i don't actually know where the money goes that'd be interesting to, to, to look into yeah. well cool that that's uh that's cool i think in all your answers you're showing just how much like gray area that people don't realize there is in baseball and i think too often we're trying to make things black and white right or wrong or i'm right you're wrong (laughs) kind of kind of thing and this is kind of what what this podcast is all about is to to live in the gray a little bit for sure let's talk a little bit about the gray areas okay so i'm asking every single guest this question because this is uh kind of tells me where your where your heart's at in baseball Jake Haney is commissioner for a day of Major League Baseball. What do you do, if anything? Yeah, well, I'm an A's fan, so the first thing I do is force them to move to Las <laughs> Vegas and build a new stadium. There you go, and sell the team because their go. owner is one of the one of the few billionaire owners in baseball and spends no money. So that's probably the first thing I would do, just selfishly, is you know, make that happen because they've been trying to do the stadium thing for. 20 years now and it's not, it hasn't worked. So I, I'm not, I don't have any faith that it will work. Yeah. You know, but I think some, some little things here, I, I really do like the pitch clock when I saw it in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. I really think it helps with the tempo of the game. And so I, you know, I think that's super important. So I would, I would probably do something with the pitch clock and, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly like the minor leagues. You know, I think one of the things that, that drives me crazy is when people talk and, and complain about how bad the umpires are on the big leagues. And the bottom line is they're the best probably officials out of any sport. And they're the best that they've ever been. I mean, you could go back and watch like old videos of the Marlins beating the Braves and LaVon Hernandez throwing curveballs three feet outside and Eric Gregg calling strike three on everyone <laughs> um, on pitches that weren't even hittable. But now, because you watch it on TV and there's a little box, a dude throws one ninety nine, two centimeters off the outside corner, and everyone throws a fit. So one of the things that I would do is I would not automate the strike zone. I would have an umpire still, but I would ban the box on TV, right? Yeah. Because pitches, there's so many pitches where you're like, that looks like a strike, but it was off the box. Okay, I guess it's a ball. I would ban the box on TV That's that idea. and I would also have an automated system where they could challenge whatever three to five ball strike calls a game mm. and do it quick. Like they do in tennis, a serve that's in and out. Yeah. 
I saw that in a game the other night yes. uh, in, in one of the minor league games where they challenged it. It was quick. It was really quick. And the minor leagues, they do it the opposite where they actually, it's the automated strike zone, but they can still challenge, which to me, it's weird because I, I only saw the one game. So I'm like, how many times is the automated strike zone wrong that you actually feel like you can challenge it? Yeah. So I would not automate it. I would have the umpires call it normal, but then still have that system where they can challenge whatever it is, three pitches a game or something like that, you know, just for a little bit of accountability in that regard. Yeah. And and I do think they need to do something with the shift. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, making the infielders when the, you know, when the pitcher releases the ball, infielders are on the dirt, mm-hmm. you know, which is probably one thing that I would do. I don't know if I would make them play a certain number of guys on one side of the field, but the one that is frustrating and has to be frustrating is your left-handed hitter and you get a line drive to right field and the second baseman's 70 feet on the grass. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> and I think the fan experience and, you know, having the, the players be marketed better as individuals mm. is important. You know, it's, it's a shame to see what happened with Tatis because like, I feel like he was, he was such a crossover star mm-hmm. and maybe into other sports and the kids love watching them and, and, and all that. I think we need more of that, Yeah, you know, cause you can't force like at this point, Mike Trout's who Mike Trout is like, he's not going to get up in front of the camera. And yeah. He's not going to, he's just, he has to do what Mike Trout has to do, but yeah, I don't think I would do anything dramatic. Maybe those things are dramatic for some people or drastic. <laughs> it might be dramatic for some people. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably, and they're probably drastic for some people, but I think the game is great. And, and, and it's like anything else. I think in a lot of ways, like there's some similarities with baseball and soccer. Hmm. My wife's family is a soccer family. My wife's one of the only one of four kids that didn't play college soccer. I don't really understand soccer, so I don't appreciate it like they do. Right. And so when I watch it to me, I'm like, I don't really get it. It's kind of boring, but it comes from a place of ignorance because I don't understand it. Sure. Just like when they watch baseball, they probably think it's boring because they don't understand it like we understand it. When we watch the game, we watch it from a different lens, you know. So I think balancing that that with also how can we get the kids engaged is important. Yeah. We make Joey Votto the commissioner. That's how we do it. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I do think they need to give the players more of a voice. And you've seen that a lot in the other sports. It seems like in the NBA and, you know, the players have a pretty good voice on things that can be fixed or changed or things like that. And the sports that struggle to change, I mean, you're saying that the PGA Tour is getting crushed because of their unwillingness to do things that players are asking them to do for years and years and years. Yeah. And I don't want to see that happen in baseball. For sure. That does it for today's episode. Thank you to Coach Haney for joining us with his thoughts and insights. Hey, if you have some thoughts of your own, join our private Cotton and Pickle Facebook group and get in on the conversation. Participate in polls, questions, discussions. Your insights and thoughts could be featured on the show. You can find that link in the show description. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. Enjoy the beautiful game of baseball this week, no matter which side of the fence you land on.